This podcast is brought to you by Oh My Audiobooks, where the pleasure is all yours. This is Love Notes with Julie and Jonathan. Hi, I'm Julie. And I am Jonathan, and you are listening to Love Notes, where we yada, yada, yada about the bow, chicka, bow, bow. <laughs> Does that, you guys understand? Where we talk about, like, sexy books. That's what that means. Uh, it was kind of like a verbal rebus. Um, it worked, what's I up? think. <laughs> Thanks. What's up, Julie? What's going on? Um, tonight, it, we're, we're doing this at night again. So it's like, because yeah. you're still remodeling. Jonathan's never-ending bathroom remodel goes on. Yes, are you beat? Are you exhausted? Um, um, I'm. I napped earlier, so I guess I cheated today. Um, so I'm okay. But yeah, I just been writing a lot. I know you were sick last week. I was. I uh, I I was down for the count. I don't think I've had the flu, the actual flu, in like influenza in a long time, and I forgot what a bitch it is. Like, yeah, it just sucks. laid me out. I had that swine flu once and it was bad. I'm sorry, you had fucking swine flu? Yeah, I had swine flu. I'm pretty sure I got it from those pigs. I mean, you know how I used to do like the hog farms? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I got it from the pig farm. And then no, no. <laughs> I went into work. I went into work because like there was a meeting. I worked from home when I did that, but I had to go in. And then I got everybody else's swine flu. And then like the whole the whole department at, at the state of Colorado had the swine flu. Now, I'm sure they I'm sure I, they denied the whole thing, but I'm pretty sure it was swine flu. I, I'm so curious. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, I, I don't know. Is there a difference between swine flu and just catching like the regular flu while you're near pigs? Like, is it, does it, does I it don't know. Probably somebody's out there going, you can't get the swine flu from the pigs. But um, yeah. I'm telling you, I was out at the farm and then I was, I was very sick for a month. It was a month. Well, I mean, clearly there's a relation there. Like, I, well, those places <laughs> are, I, I mean, they are filthy though, right? Like the just a germ factory. Uh, well, you know. Ah, let's not talk about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's that's ancient. That's you know what? Let's move. On. Yeah, we did. This isn't this isn't pig notes. It's nope, love notes. Nope. It's not swine yeah. notes. Um. Well, uh, Julie and I have been talking a lot uh, over the last couple of days, especially because we've got a lot of stuff going on, and some of that stuff actually uh, dovetails nicely into a couple of the questions that we've received. And we, we actually chatted about this earlier because we've gotten this question now a few times from a few different places. And so we feel like uh, this today, this episode of the show will be an appropriate opportunity to answer this repeated question. I'm um, so excited. So I'm pretty excited too. Uh, Vicky asked it in the following way. And then I'll follow up with uh, Marina asked it in a different way. Uh, Vicky asked, what does 2019 look uh, like book-wise for both of you uh, and for you separately? Jonathan, would you ever write a romance novel alone? Uh, Marina asks, so there's J.A. Huss. There's Julie and Jonathan, Huss McLean. Will there be Jonathan on his own writing? Uh, yeah, is the answer. So, 
Um, Julie and I have talked a lot, and then it'll give Julie a chance to talk a little bit about the cool thing that she's been doing. Um, we have a couple of things that we're definitely working on together. We're plotting some stuff and we're, we're moving forward with our shared writing. But as we were talking, uh, I had an idea, uh, for a book series, like a world that could go on. I don't know. What did we say? Like forever? I mean, we really, yeah, I mean, it's a huge world uh, idea. And I was saying, what about this? And what about the And Julie basically said, I don't know. Why don't you, you came up with that. That's pretty cool. Why don't you, sounds like you have a passion for it. Why don't you write it on your own? And I said, well, I, I don't know. I didn't really get into this to do that. I got into this to write with you. And she said, well, I'll, you know, she's ba ba essentially what's going to happen is this year I will begin releasing a series of books that I will be writing on my own uh, under a pen name. Um, and I will tell you that in a second. Um, only because the pen name won't be like a secret. It'll just be to distinguish those books from other stuff. So we keep everything very clear. And Julie is basically going to be acting as my publisher because <laughs> as far as knowing how to do this shit goes beyond the writing part, I'm still kind of stupid and I still do have my three other jobs that I do. So Julie, uh, will be helping me, uh, get these things out there and distributed and, and under her imprint, um, but yeah, I'm going to be writing, we've decided, uh, that I will be writing under the name J.M. May, uh, which is both kind of sounds cool on a cover and is also representative of J. Jonathan McClain. J.M. May write. He may not. He may write. He may not. He may write. <laughs> J.M. may write some books. J.M. may not write some books. Is J.M. going to write some books this week? He may. So J.M. May is going to write, a. Uh, uh, start writing a romance uh, series and uh, they will probably be novellas. So sh on the shorter side, uh, but that's because there's a lot of stories that I have to tell. And, um, and, and for those of you who are probably curious, they will be more romantic than erotic. Uh, I have a feeling just because I am a big old softy romance guy. Um, I am. And, um, but they will be lovey dovey and sexy and romantical romantical i love it romantical <laughs> they'll be the romanticals it'll be with the romanticals and the sexy sexuals and um and so yes that's the answer to your question that'll be coming out and uh that's not the only news right don't you have something you wanted to talk about in the same vein yeah so i um i do have a pen name coming up it's it, i haven't like officially announced it i guess so right here i am announcing it. Um, I love how spontaneous this is. <laughs> right. So this is so I can write some science fiction, but it's ro science fiction romance. So it's sexy science fiction. And um, just because, man, I just really want to do more of that. But I decided to do a pen name, not a secret like yours, just so everybody knows, um, just to keep it separate. And my pen name is going to be Casey Cross. K.C. Cross. Um, I know. Boom. Because it looks nice on a cover. It's basically my criteria. Um, <laughs> it was. <laughs> I was telling um, Victoria at Podium the other day, I'm like, we're talking about a book that's coming up. And I'm like, oh, I had this title, but I put it on my cover just to see how it looked. And I had to toss it away. I'm like, I didn't like how it looked on the cover. So I'm not going to use it. That's the reality guys. So, so sometimes the best ideas have to get put to the side for practical reasons. That's right. I can't do it. Um, do you want to, do you want to, 
I mean, I don't want to spoil it if you don't want to spoil it, but man, I love the name of the series. Do you want to say it yet? I'm not going to say it yet. I'm not okay. going to say it yet. I it's so fucking from- good. But this will start releasing, I think, the last week in May. Um, and they're going to release once every, um, I don't know, three, four weeks over the summer. And then I, t- I just have a whole bunch of new stuff planned. Um, just some paranormal stuff and some sci-fi romance. And um, just because... Oh, I think I've told a lot of contemporary romance stories already. Yeah. And so I have all these other ideas, worlds and so, stuff. So, and, and there, you know what? I just realized something. This is a great, this is a great podcast to announce this on because this week represents the one year anniversary of the release of our very first book together. Sin with I me. I saw that come up in my Facebook timeline all week long. Yeah. yeah. Sin with me came out a year ago this week. So one year later, uh, and one year and what fuck eight books later, uh, Crazy. you are gonna you were in 2019 gonna be hit with J. Huss books, you're gonna be hit with Huss McLean books, you're gonna be hit with JM May books, you're gonna be hit with Casey Cross, but it's gonna be it's actually it's gonna be ridiculous. It is gonna be ridiculous. Like I have four books right now that I have I'm holding on to four books that I have written and not released. So like all that starts coming out for me in April. And then man, it just goes, it just goes full on for the whole year. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, in case we get bored, we're, we are still working on a a TV series. Brand new TV series, a brand new TV series. Um, for those of you who have followed our path, we may be at the end of the road with the company. Um, lots and lots of good stuff happened with it at this moment. Uh, it looks like it may not get sold, but you know what? Nothing is ever over in television. Uh, It's just tabled. And if we sell the other thing, we could always go back and revisit it, but we are turning our attention to the new thing that our producing partner, uh, at MGM wants us to focus on and more on that as it develops. But I think today was a real breakthrough day. We had a good conversation. Yeah, we had a really good conversation about that. I'm really excited about that show. So, so that's some stuff that's going on. That's what's happening as of this week in the world of Huss McLean. So be on the lookout for all of it. Uh, and if we, <laughs> if we don't both fall over and not get up again, uh, it'll keep coming. Death by um, writing. Death by writing. You know what? There are worse ways to go. There really are. Um, so in, in the spirit of awesome things, let us talk briefly about our awesome sponsor and audiobook publisher, Oh My Audiobooks. Um, Julie, do you like dark romance? Not only do I like writing dark romance, but I do enjoy um, reading it. I don't read a whole lot of it, but if I'm going to read a romance, I like it to, on the dark side. Um, well, you are in luck because I've got something for you that is basically The Sopranos meets Dark Romance. I'm kidding, sort of, not really, I'm kind of kidding. <laughs> Natasha Knight, Natasha Knight, USA Today best-selling author and tortured hero specialist has a new audiobook coming down the pike called Giovanni. Giovanni, I'm gonna, uh, Giovanni. Giovanni is a dark mafia romance. Giovanni is the right-hand man of the Mafia King, and she is a girl with a past that she is desperate to hide. But Giovanni is a man used to getting what he wants, and what he wants, you can guess it, is her. 
Featuring the oh-so-smooth Aiden Snow and the always lovely Kate Genevieve, and produced by Oh My Audiobooks. You can sign up today on Audible to get your free 30-day trial if you're not already a member, because Giovanni releases on March 26th, only on Audible. And only from Oh My Audiobooks. Um, that sounds kind of awesome. Yeah, it does. I love mafia stuff. Um, you know, I've never, I've never even seen The Godfather, to be honest. Goodbye. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But that that here's the thing: there would have been a time when that would have surprised me. But at this point, I know you well enough to know that you know. But it's so strange to me when I'll say like, I remember we were having a conversation about something, and you were saying, "Oh, I remember what it was." We were talking about the company, and you were like, "I always had this vision for this scene, and in my mind, if I uh, if I only had a heart by Fever Ray is playing, and I'm yeah. like, whoa, whoa, slow, time, time out, time out." I was like, you know, Fever Ray. You're like, of course. I was like, how do you know that? But you've never seen The Godfather. Like, you are the most special snowflake. Julie Huss is the most special you. snowflake. You're welcome. I mean, it's a, I mean it in a nice way. Um, <laughs> so uh, today we are going to be. Our conversation was with uh, Trisha Wolf, who um, was just so sweet and lovely, and just really a joy to talk to. So we're looking forward to you guys hearing it. And before we jump into it, we have time for just uh, one more uh, listener question. And of course, again, as always, thank you all so much for submitting your questions. Um, please go to lovenotespodcast.com and you can absolutely submit any questions you have there and we'll be happy to answer them for you on the show. Um, but this question came up and I thought it, uh, I thought it dovetailed nicely into part of what we talked with Trisha about today. Um, and it's also frankly an interesting question that I think people have as a curiosity about independent writers and no one really talks about it because it's one of those things you're not supposed to talk about, but fuck it. Uh, Tara wants to know, I have no idea what money you make as an author. The question is especially for Julie Huss because I know Jonathan <laughs> has like 17 jobs. Yes, I do. I have like five careers. Um, but the, the, the question part of the question is, are you pleased with your income and do you have another job? I do not have another job and yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, here's the thing. It's, um, you're, you're, you know, your own boss, you're running your own business. And so your income is almost never stable. So I think authors, indie authors have to come to terms with that and realize that sales go up and down and just kind of get used to it because that's just how it is. Um, so that's, I mean, it's a little bit stressful, but yeah, I can't complain. It's also, you have, you have the power to determine how much work you want. And, you know, if you have a particularly great year and you want to slow down, hit the brakes a little for a while, you can do that. So it, it gives you the total control though, right? Like, it's not like yeah. you have to depend on somebody. I mean, even in a, even in a business like mine in television, you know, you're still you're still subject to the negotiation of a deal or if you get the job or if you don't get the job. But you, if a book doesn't sell as well as you wanted it to, you can always just write another book. Yeah, it definitely is dependent on how hard you want to work. And all the people you see on top are very, they're working very hard. Like you probably can't even imagine how hard they work. It is, it's, yeah, it's, 
it is a work ethic that uh, is as impressive as anything I've ever seen. And um, and I say it's interesting because of the conversation we have with Trisha, because Trisha, uh, very candidly, as you'll hear in our conversation, talks about sort of being on that edge. Rather than spoil it for you and, and tell you what we talked about, we'll let you listen to what we talked about. So um, now please have a listen to our conversation with Trisha Wolf, and we'll talk to you on the other side. Yay, Trisha. All right. And today we are with Trisha Wolf, uh, author of such series as the Broken Bond series, which includes the books uh, with visions of red one, two and three. And then you're also uh, the author of the Darkly Madly duet Born Darkly and Born Madly. Can you talk a little about when you started writing, how you started writing? Have you always written? How did you decide you wanted to self-publish? Just sort of an intro into how you came into this world. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, yeah, actually, yes, I always wanted to be a writer. Um, I think I've always read, um, always kind of like dabbled, you know, the teenage poetry type thing. <laughs> and then um, sure. about eighth grade, I read uh, Anne Rice's Interview with a Vampire, and that changed my life. Um, just the writing. I remember kind of just putting down that book after I finished it and looking up to the sky, and I had just that complete feeling of, awe, the way that she made me feel. And I said to myself, I want to do that. I think I was 13 or 14 at the time. And I said, that's what I want to do. I want to make people feel like that. And I ran over to the bookstores. I had an independent bookstore right next door to me at the time um, when I lived here on Hilton Head. And uh, I grabbed a copy of E.B. White's, uh, what is it, Elements of Style. And uh, then I just started writing. Yeah. I studied that. I got my hand on pretty much any kind of writing uh, manuscripts, books about writing. Um, I read everything, but then I didn't actually start taking it serious. Um, I started and quit a lot of books through my twenties and then I got to be 29 and then I was like, Oh shit, I'm about to be 30. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cute that that felt old when you were 29, right? Anyway, you you kind of have to shit or get off the pot at that point. (laughs) So I was like, well, I'm getting older. My son's about to be a teenager, so I might want to take it serious. So that's when I, um, wrote and completed my first book, started submitting to agents, got a lot of rejection letters, literally took that first manuscript out to my front yard, buried it, put a little pencil cross on it, started the next book. That one didn't get I love you right now. That's amazing. (laughs) I mean, I took it serious though. I was like, okay, this isn't working. This isn't working. Then about the third book, I started getting, um, agents started getting interested. I was writing young adult, um, fantasy at the time. And um, I got okay. one agent interested. She made me an offer. I went with a medium-sized um, publisher at that time. It's still out there with Simon & Schuster right now. Um, they still have the rights. And um, I think sometime during that, it was so hard um, trying to work that schedule with publishers and agents that I just – everybody was doing self-publishing um, at the time. So and was, I kept thinking, what, what year was that? Yeah, let me, let me ask you. Was it – did you – because – Okay, when I started, everybody says it was Fifty Shades. Oh, I read Fifty Shades, and I figured Uh, I'd like to write this too. But for me, it was Amanda Hawking. Remember her? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Like, so was this right about the time that Amanda was, like, blowing up the internet with her books? Yes, it was late 2012, 2013. 
Um, yeah. I do remember, I mean, Hawking, I was working with um, a couple different beta readers, critique partners. I just remembered that just the feeling back then during the early um, 2012, 2013 kind of time, it's just everybody was just striving so hard. People were just pumping books out. A uh, new adult came along. It, it was, there was a frenzy. Yeah. People were getting picked up by publishers left and right. And during that time, I was just kind of like the slow crawl, you know, with the book getting to publication. And I just said, well, you know, I did, and here's the thing. And I'm, and I'm not trying to say anything bad about the publishing industry because I love it. I come from the old school publishing um, where, you know, you submit your book, um, you go with an agent, you, you do what your editor tells you. I did not get along with my editors. <laughs> I no, kind of sure. feel bad. Them, but I just, I just didn't, you know, they took my books and, you know, no editors hate my writing style. They hate it with a passion. Why? Um, be, I think because I like to break the fourth wall. I kind of sometimes mm. I break a lot of rules, but, but my firm belief you know, and like I just told you guys, I mean, I studied E.B. White. Um, you know, I, I feel like if you're going to break rules, you have to know them first. Sure. So, um, you know, I like to break rules. I like to break the fourth wall. I like to change it up and do different things. And editors are like, no, this is what works. This is the way we're going to do it. We've done it for thousands of years this way. <laughs> you know? And right, I, just, yeah. I just didn't like it. So um, I decided, well, you know, I can do what I want now. Everybody's, you know, using Amazon. Everybody's publishing. So I came out with my own um, young adult book called The Darkest Part in 2013. And um, it did really well. Um, it didn't do like super well. Like I didn't hit any like lists or anything, but it did well enough that made me realize I want to do this because I don't have anybody hovering over me, you know, slapping my knuckles with the ruler saying, no, you can't do this. I can do what I want. And it was the reader's feedback that made me love it again. That gave me that feeling of, yes, I want to do this because I want to make readers feel that feeling that I feel when I read a great book. So that was kind of what cinched it for me. Yeah, that's a great story um, because we were talking in the green room and this is what I really want to talk to you about then is that you and I came out on the scene about the same time and we were writing similar stuff because back in 2012, it was all about paranormal romance, right? Right. Twilight. Like, yeah, the Twilight. Twilight hit. Like Fifty Shades was still a year away, I think. Well, Fifty um, Shades I, exists because of Twilight, right? Mm -hmm, right? Yes, that's right. So Fifty Shades hadn't, like there, that frenzy had not taken over yet. And so we were, everybody was still stuck on the Twilight. So I think it's awesome that you and I were both writing this um, fantasy or, you know, paranormal stuff in the beginning and then switch to romance. Right. So why did, right. why did you switch to romance? Um, well, I think because I found out, like I said, I started out with, um, young adult fantasy, paranormal. Um, I was writing dark fantasy. Um, my characters were aged a little bit up just because I wrote a little bit darker. So my characters were always kind of between that, like, uh, 18 and 20 range. Um, except for my really early stuff, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> That was an editor. Yeah, story. so then New Adult came along, right? Like 2013 was the year of New Adult. Right. It it was. And, and I said to myself, like, well, you know, that's kind of like the in-between. My characters are already kind of at that age bracket. But uh YA and fantasy is really hard to sell in the um indie market. Yes, I experienced was, that as well. <laughs> right. It was really hard. I, and I tried, too. I, I, I released, like, Of Silver and Beast, Of Darkness and Crowns. That was my new adult dark fantasy stuff. 
and I couldn't get it to move no matter what. And I loved those books, but they would not budge on the market. So that's when I started with the, um, and I said, well, what can I write in contemporary that gives me that same kind of feel? Because I loved fantasy. That's what I did. Um, and that's when I said to myself, serial killers. You know, I watch these documentaries all the time. <laughs> of course. Oh, serial killers. <laughs> so it was yes. contemporary, but I still got that dark edge that I love to write. And so that's when I wrote the vision series. And after that, it was done. That's, that's what I wanted to do. I felt comfortable with it. That's what I wanted. So when do you, because I cannot pinpoint the time when I first heard of you. I think you have always just been there for me, like in the world. Um, the way I think about you and Jonathan on the scene is you guys are just fearless. You know, it's just like, I see you guys out there and you're running with it. You're doing all the things. And um, when I came on the scene, I, I was just so quiet. I swear. I really did squeak on like a mouse. I was scared to tell anybody about my books. I kind of just hid in my cave and did the writing thing. And I kept telling myself, because I, again, I'm from the old school publishing world, where if it's good, enough people will talk about it and you'll become famous. It doesn't work that way. So no, I just now recently in the past couple of years started getting behind my own self and kind of dressing for the job that I want and saying, hey, I wrote this book. I worked really hard at it read the damn thing. <laughs> you know, I think that's I, what I should have did before. I mean, I have to, I have to say it, Trish. Julie and I, 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 you're very sweet to say, you and Jonathan just, no, 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 Julie just. Julie does all that <laughs> and drags Jonathan along because um, because it's so, it's interesting to, to, to hear you talk about it. You know, I mean, my, yes, I am an, also an artistic soul and I have to feel like I need to be moved by this thing or why do it? And, and that's been how I've sort of conducted my whole career. And, um, and so uh, coming into the situation with Julie, I had been, I've talked about this before, but I had been sort of insulated behind agents and managers and a team of people to keep me separate from self-promotion because like, God forbid, you go out and crow about your own stuff somebody else should do that for you. Right. And right, so exactly. coming into this, coming into, and that's hard. And coming into this with Julie, she was like, no, I didn't have social media. And Julie was like, no, <laughs> no way. Really? Yeah. And she was like, you, you gotta, you gotta get on Facebook. And I was like, I don't know, Facebook. She's like, no, seriously, you gotta talk to the fans. And, and the thing about it that's been really fascinating is I was so reticent to do it, but now I relish it. Like I relish the opportunity to have that personal engagement with them. You're such a natural too, because I remember seeing you come on the scene and I'm like, look at these two. Like they're just, they're two peas in a pod. <laughs> they're just working it. So, you know, Ju notice. Julie said, Julie said something that is spot on. She's like, we're so different in so many ways, um, but in the ways that actually matter. And that means both from a business perspective and I think in terms of like the way we care about what we do in the world, we line up in the right ways. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm just lucky in that regard. Um, I'm curious to know, I, hear, I think Julie has a question too, but I'm curious to know transitioning, was the transition hard for you creatively or uh, was it hard creatively or was it hard artistically or was it hard from a business perspective? What was the most challenging part about switching the, the style? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> and that later on, when I think about it, I'll probably have a really good <laughs> answer for it. <laughs> um, I think during the time, um, 2015 is when I changed over, when I decided to go full force into writing contemporary, uh, dark romance. And I think I was scared about the sex scenes. Um, 
my readers, uh, the ones who I'm close with, like my beta readers and critique partners will tell you that um, when I write a book, I, I, I lay the foundation first. You know, I, I get the mystery down. I get the thriller aspect down. I connect all the dots. And then I go and I give it to my beta readers or my critique partner. I'm like, okay, guys, tell me where the romance goes. <laughs> Because that's the okay, hardest that's part for me. Fascinating. That's amazing. Yes, that's, that's amazing. That was, that was actually, I'm not a romance reader. You know, I do read romance books. Um, I do. I pick them up because I have to fill the well, and um, I do enjoy them. There's some amazing romance books out there that incorporate different um, genres and styles. And but but you know, when I go out there to go buy a book, I honestly I read thrillers. I read mysteries. That's my go-to genre. So it's harder for me to develop the romance. And I have this thing um, that's called the slow-mo edit. When I go back through after I complete a book um, and I give it to my beta readers and I'm like, okay, guys, break it down for me. And I literally have to go back into my book because like I will write something that says he puts his hand up her skirt. And for me, that's good enough because I see that he put his hand up her skirt. There you go. Sure. They're like, sure. no, 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 no. We want to have drag us through it, break us, break it down. You know, we want to feel the fingers graze the skin. Go, you know? sure. and, and so I have to. That's what I have to do. It's my slow mo edit where I go down and break each action down during a sex scene or a romantic scene down to like the millimeter uh, second. You know, that everything that happens between. So, and I think that was the hardest thing for me was really getting on board with writing the romance. Because even now, like when I'm editing a scene, I'm listening to it read to me out loud to go back to find typos. I will giggle myself to death hearing my own. <laughs> <laughs> right I do that. I that's why that's one of the reasons why I only listen to audiobooks, and that's the one of the reasons why when I don't listen to the sex scenes. Be, I remember picking up my three, two, one audiobook, and I was so excited. It was my first podium book. And, um, and I just could not stop laughing. <laughs> oh my God, Julie, I did the same thing when Emily sent me over, um, that the sample, I think it was, um, with Christian Fox reading in visions oh, and I yeah. got to chapter. And, um, by the way, I did not really know who he was until afterwards. Then I got schooled real quick about who he was. And, oh, um, Christian's, and the I, this, Christian's the real deal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, I listened to it and I'm like, this is not my book. I did not write this. This is so dirty. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> By the way, for those who don't know, uh, when Julie says Podium, that is uh, our audiobook publisher. And um, Emily uh, is uh, one of the producers there who's also producing this podcast. Um, so um, – Please say more about this because uh, because I'm curious because Julie and I met vis a vis you may or may not know I was narrating uh, some books of hers and that's actually how yeah, I remember that. Mm -hmm. right and so and and early on she was like oh thanks so much dude you rocked it uh, I don't know how you did with the sex scenes because I skipped them um, <laughs> which I was like sure I get that but but I'm sort of curious but she did say something early on she was like. And I hope it's, I hope you don't mind me saying this, Julie. There's no way for me to say it without sounding like a fucking asshole, but whatever. And she said like, oh my God, you made the book so much better. And I was like, ah, she's just being nice. And she was because I didn't. But, but what she effectively was saying was I heard it in a whole new way because, right. Yeah. right? That's essentially what she was trying to communicate. So, so what is that experience like? Because I continue to narrate, uh, our books, the books we write. So I really haven't had the experience of handing it over in full to someone else and letting them interpret it because I'm doing it myself. What does that feel like when you hear it back? 
Um, like I said, the first time I heard it was, well, first of all, Victoria, Emily, the whole podium um, group, they're, they're amazing. I had no issue whatsoever putting the books in their hand and saying, run with it. I know you guys know what you're doing. Make it amazing. And they did. And um, just because, I mean, I, I don't have any experience with audiobooks, so I can't even understand how to go about finding narrators or producing things like that. No, no, that's way out of my pay grade. I can't do it. So I let those ladies run with it. And sure. um, they kept, they were sending me over samples and they're just like, this is who we have picked up. This is who's going to do it. And I mean, just listening to my, uh, you know, the words that I wrote <laughs> read back to me by these super experienced narrators that just make everything sound so erotic, so sexy. Yeah, like I right. remember telling my mom, I'm like, do I really write that dirty? Like I didn't think that I did. It just so, so you said you said that to your mom? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I always send my mom my books before I send to my beta reader. She's she's my first person they go to. They gotta pass Glorious. the mom test first. <laughs> oh, and so my good. mom always has this thing where she says, um, you know, I just try to pretend that you're not my daughter while I'm reading the sex scenes. And I never so really good. understood it because to me, it's just art. It's just a book. But listening to my book read back to me now, I completely understand where she's coming from. Oh, well, look, my, my, so mother, more intense. <laughs> my mother-in-law, uh, my, my wife's mom um, is super supportive and was so excited when I got into this with Julie. And she was like, I'm going to buy them and I'm going to listen to the audiobooks. And I was like, mm, yeah, I don't know if you want to listen to the audiobooks. And she was, <laughs> and she went out and she was, she bought the audiobooks and she goes, no, why wouldn't I want the, the entire experience? You wrote it, you're narrating it. And then she sent me an email. She was like, yeah, I can't listen to the audiobooks. It's <laughs> like, yep, it's a whole different world, isn't it? So I just wanted to ask you, like, because you and I have done promos together. Remember how I used to run those blog promos off of my yeah. book blog? And uh, so, like, I literally feel like I've known you for, like, eight years, for the whole time I've been That's writer. because I'm your shadow, I'm your stalker. It's like, <laughs> it's like when you turn around, you're like, was she there? I don't know. And I'm just creeping. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm interested, Trish, in you talking about creating the story first, which I sort of love. I guess I have two questions. One is when you made the transition, did you see some sort of correlation between the worlds you were writing that allowed you to, cause you was the first series that you went into in this genre. Was it, was it a bondage series straight away? It was, it was a huge leap. I don't, I don't even know what I was thinking at the time, honestly. And then my second question would, Sorry, my second question would just be, sorry, sorry Trish, I'm going to get this out. Uh, no, you're second, good, you're good, you're good. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. My second question would be, um, my second question is, did you feel ambivalent about promoting it because you had switched to something so different, I guess? I think um, by 2015, I was kind of, like I said, I have the day job. So when I do something, I have to do it all in the fall, like when my off season is. So when I came out with the vision series, I said, well, it's one of those things where it's like, go big or go home. You know, I came out with this cover that was striking. It was shocking. <laughs> I hid underneath my bed. The are whole they the cover are they the covers that are on your website? Um, no, I recently just revamped those. Um, okay. Cause those are beautiful by the way. Yeah. I love those. My, I have an amazing cover artist and um, she's done 
all my covers. She's fantastic. And she did the original ones. The original ones for the Vision series um, has a girl um, in bo- in rope, in bondage. And to me, because like I said, I have, an issue, I have a hard time just um, writing and conveying the romance. To me, it was more artistic. No, 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 no. In the romance market, when you release a girl in ropes, it's BDSM. It's it immediately got tossed into the dungeon on Amazon. Wow! <laughs> Did you really? Yes, it it went from selling so well, and it was in your face. It was shocking, and I worked so hard. It you know it was a, a story about a serial killer, and not only that, but we got to um, read the ki- serial killer's perspective. Um, which I worked really hard on to get inside the, the mindset of a serial killer um, to write from his perspective. And um, it was doing really well. And then Amazon said, oh, hell no, you can't have that on there. And they slapped wow. me in the dungeon. And the thing about me is I, I I don't write fast enough to turn the books out. And it was a series. So by the time I got the second book out and got it out of the dungeon, it was kind of a done deal. Like you have to hit the ground hard and you have to hit the ground running and you have to be able to pop those books out you know, one after another. And I think that I dropped the ball with that. And, but I've learned from that now. So. Does that, does it, does it feel like you, real question, does it feel like you have to compromise your intention and, or any of your desire in the way that you create to, uh, to modify that? Or can you find that happy medium where you can still satisfy what it is that you're trying to get out of it and also satisfy the needs of the market? Um, yeah, I mean, there is, I mean, honestly, if I could spend about a year, uh, working on a novel, um, I probably still wouldn't think it's done or completely edited or just write, but I would feel better about it. It would be a lot closer to what I envisioned the story would be. Um, I'm a real stickler about editing. Um, that's probably, I know it's ridiculous, but it's my favorite part of the the process is actually Hmm. to getting back through and take that, um, you know, that skeleton, that bones of a story and layer all the interesting twists and turns around it. Yeah, I get it. And when you're trying to produce a book like this, this year, me and my husband, oh my gosh, we've had a time this year. We've moved twice. We've sold our house. We're trying to build a house. It's chaos city around here. And um, I put off my deadlines. I had two collections, two books due to, to two collections this year. And I kept telling myself, it's fine. It's fine. You'll get there. You have plenty of time. Well, we get down to October. It's the end of the year and I don't have time. So I have just recently completed writing two books in two months. For oh, anybody wow. who knows me, that's that's insane. It's not even humanly possible for me to do this. Right. And um, I had to do a lot of sacrificing, um, you know, sacrificing for the company. Um, I had to tell my office manager, look, just don't burn the thing down. You know, just hold it together <laughs> until I get done with this deadline. And, um, and I do, I see a lot of things around me kind of fall apart, but I, I keep telling myself, no, 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 I, I don't want to pull the date. I want to see this through. And I have noticed the difference between these two novels and novels like Born Darkly that I spent at least five to six months writing that I felt like I left a lot of story on the table. You know, what's really funny about that is, is I, I, I have always said that I can work on something for three weeks or three years. It'll never be mm-hmm. done. Um, right. I, I've, I've never, it's, it's, I, it's never complete. It is only surrendered. Right. That's what I, right. how I sort of look at it. And, but to what you just said about leaving story on the table, I think what's Julie, you want to talk about like when we started doing the TV adaptation, I think the reason that you wanted to, when Julie and I first started doing the adaptation, I said, listen, there's stuff that's not in the books that I feel like if we're going to make a TV series out of this, we, there's, we have to, 
dig into, can I change this? Can I explore this? I know this isn't on the page. And her response was, oh yeah, are you kidding? Because, I, well, you said it better than I did, Julie. What was your rationale? It was because I wrote those, um, exactly what Trish is talking about. It was 2014. I wrote so many books that year. I can't even, I don't even know how many there were. Did you write 12? 14? I think I wrote 14. A lot of them were novellas. You were a machine that year. Every time I turned around, it was like, she's got another one. Yeah. Yeah, just a machine. Somebody tweeted something about me. um, And this is when I stopped in like the middle of the year. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? They said the powerhouse Jay Huss has another book out. And I'm like, powerhouse? Like, is that how they see me? Because like, I just, it was a crazy year. So Bend came out, you know, that anthology came out in May. And then that was the first book in the company, which was Come. And then I I had to get another book out by July because by this time I had learned you cannot go longer than two months without releasing a book um, unless you have some other marketing plan. Because for me, I have to have a paycheck every month. And if I don't have a paycheck every month, I start to get nervous. So this, this is why I have that. And so I put that out in July, but that whole time between book two and three, I released the social media novellas, which were six novellas every two weeks. And so by the time I got to book three in the company, which was coming for you, I I felt like I wrote that book in two weeks, you know? And so when Jonathan said, Hey, can we change things? I'm like, Oh hell yeah. Because I got like, you know, probably 50,000 more words in my head of story that didn't get put on that page. Also, because it was a romance, I had to write it as a romance in order to sell it, right? But it isn't a romance. It's a thriller. So a lot of the thriller aspects got left out because I was writing a romance. So adapting it to the TV series was fun because we got to put in scenes that were maybe mentioned, but were never shown. So I thought that was fun. No, yeah, I completely understand that. Like where you're talking about like trying to decide, well, I got to show the romance here or I got to focus on the thriller aspect here. I completely understand that. And and I mean, during that time, Julie, I mean, did you feel like you were just tired? <laughs> like I know you said that people saw you as a powerhouse, but I mean, were you making all the sacrifices around everything else? Because I just doing this this past two months, honestly, I don't even know if I have sanity left. I do not understand how people can write at that pace and just produce amazing books. It's just I mean, I feel really drained I, right now. Before Julie answers the the practical side of that, I have to I have to say something that she can't say about herself. Uh, she's a freak. Like Julie <laughs> is Julie. You know, uh, there the I I true and I mean this with every ounce of sincerity I can muster. She has the most fertile imagination that I've ever encountered, and so cranking out these books at the pace that she does. I'm sure it feels laborious. I'll let her talk about it. But I think that just in our time of knowing each other, if she couldn't get these stories out, they'd all stockpile in her head and her brain would explode. Like she has to tell these (laughs) stories. Well, 2014 was three, I was doing three series. So I was finishing Rick and Ronan, which I loved. And, and I was so immersed in that world and those characters. And then I started the company, which was a spinoff of Rick and Ronan, which I loved because it was carrying on the characters. And then social media, 
um, started out as just, it was supposed to be just a funny rom-com, but I turned it into this whole twisted thriller. But I think, I think I got through it because I was in love with all of the stories. So now Trish, at this point that you've sort of crossed over because do you still dabble in YA or, or any other, or is this when you're writing and I, were you just writing the stuff that uh, the romance stuff? Um, yeah, I'm just focusing on this now just because honestly, there's not enough of me. <laughs> like yeah. I wish I could go back and, um, I've thought about it before. Um, like I said, I've pulled a few of my earlier, um, YA and new adult fantasies down and I had pulled them down with the intent of rewriting them now that I'm a little bit better at doing what I do and putting them up on underneath a pen name. So that way I could have, um, you know, a fantasy name and my regular author name. That way I could kind of separate the two just for reader's sake. But um, sure. there's just not enough time. You know, I, I would, something has to give. And right now with running the company full time and doing the writing full time and trying to do the marketing full time, there's just, you know, I have to focus on what works for me and what readers are asking. When the readers message me, they ask me, do you have anything else like Born dar Darkly? You know, mm -hmm. that's what they're asking for. So, I mean, it would be a remiss of me not to do my job and give them that. I kind of feel like, because that's my job <laughs> is to yeah. write what they want. And that's interesting. I had the same revelation in 2018 um, that they're asking me for, you know, what they, what they like about what they've read so far. And it's always the dark menage. That's what they want. Always the dark menage. And so, you know what? Fuck it. That's what I'm going to write. <laughs> because I like it. I like it too, obviously. I've had a lot of hit, hits with that. Um, so that's fine. It's something I like. And they enjoyed the thriller aspect. And so why not? Why not just make life easy and give them what they want? Did you write? And not everybody can do that. So if you can do that, do it. It's your, You're obligated. <laughs> well, and, and you and I, the, the most recent, the triangle, the most recent Dark Minaj, uh, the first in the series that we started, was it, I don't know, how did it feel doing it with writing something that is historically such a, a brand thing, a brand identity thing for you with someone else. Did you, have, was that fun for you or did it feel like? I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was fun because, uh, and we talked about this as we were writing it, you would take things in a new direction. I, and my first, my first reaction is, well, that's not where I would take it. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> but, but it was good. Right. Like I loved writing that story. You loved writing it, right? Yeah, I, I, I did. It's, it's interesting. I sort of tie it back to what Trish was saying, because like, I, look, I, and I've said this candidly in, in the end of book shit that, uh, Julie's author's notes at the end of her books for anyone who doesn't know is called into book shit. And, uh, and I've been allowed to also write my, my version of those. And so I think I mentioned this, like it was never, obviously it was never, not obviously, but it was never in my purview to write romance novels and certainly not with a writing partner. And so I sort of relate this back to what Trish was just saying, which is that, but there is now a, a but you know, I'll pat myself on the back. I'm a good writer. I know how to write. And so there's no uh, shame in, and this is something I had to get okay with, but there is actually something praiseworthy in the idea of providing to an enthusiastic reader, something they want to read, executed to the best of your ability, and there's no harm in trying to satisfy what 
it is that they are looking for. And if you can fulfill both a sense of pride in what you've created and give them something that they want, then that is sort of the definition of success, I feel like. Trish, do you feel that way too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I was just nodding along with everything you were saying. Because I remember back in 2015, before I released Visions, I had that same feeling of shame just because, again, coming from the traditional uh, market, there's that kind of uh, negative connotation around romance authors, romance books. Which, so by the way, I've learned now is such bullshit. Yeah, it's it so is. Funny. And I had to get over myself. I had to get over it. <laughs> like, just get over it in order to release Visions. Um it, it just is, you know, you, there, there is beauty and art in everything that you do. If, like you said, if you do it to the best of your ability. And I think that that's what I tried to do so hard with the vision series is I tried to take something that was uh, taboo or naughty, something that easily could have been porn or erotica or something like that and give it that um, artistic flair, you know, something completely different, but I wanted to do it still in a way that it was marketable. And that's a fine line to have, you know, um, that artistic style. Yeah, it's hard. And right, and to make it marketable. So there's a fine line where where even my beta readers and my critique partners were like, okay, you're kind of going off on a tangent, (laughs) you know, like bring it back, bring it back to the story. So um, I I do need those people to kind of tell me when I'm I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, going off a little bit. So the BDSM point of view is Mm -hmm. there's sort of this you know, this, um, intersection of presumed violence, right? Like sex and violence find some sort of marriage in, in the, in that concept. Did you have any hesitation about going into this world and feeling like, okay, if I do this, this is who I am now? Um, I did. And here's one of the things, um, about me. I, I'm a a research nut. I do not put fingers to keys or pen to paper until I know uh, a topic inside and out. Um, I've went as far as like when I wrote The Darkest Part, I made an appointment with a psychiatrist and I brought Uh in my character notes and I said, okay, here's my character and this is what she's going through, diagnose her. So I had a psychiatrist diagnose my character in The Darkest Part so that way I can make her as authentic as possible with her mental illness since I did not want to offend people who may have that mental illness. Um, recently with the trial science book that I was writing was a character, um, he's a trial consultant. I did the research on it and I called a trial consulting company on the West coast and interviewed them and asked questions. So that way I could write that authentically going into the BDSM world. Um, I knew people in my own life who, um, practice S and M and so I was familiar with it already. And it was something that was already kind of the norm to me. You know, I had been around it very young, so I didn't really think anything about it. It was just a lifestyle. But I did know that, again, there was a connotation around that. So I said, look, even though I'm familiar with it, um, I do not want to go into this story and have someone who is a part of that lifestyle pick it up and say, oh, hell, fuck no, this is ridiculous and be offended um, Mm -hmm. by something. So I read all the books. I did all the interviews. So when I sat down to do it, I did want the BDSM to be a big part of it. But it wasn't so much because of the sex as it was for the lifestyle. It was about a woman who was struggling uh, with something coming into her own. And I wanted to make it about her, about her as a person. It, it is The BDSM is an extension of her. And that's pretty much it. Um, I don't know 
uh, about anyone listening, but the first thing I'm going to do when we're done is download uh, all of the Trisha Wolf books because because yeah. <laughs> these sound fucking amazing. Uh, Thank like, you. I'm super, super. Well, and super listen, super. Trish, you would you would not be in my mind as a guest if I didn't think you were a good writer because I have always thought that, and um. And so that's why you were one of the people that I immediately wanted to talk to because I've, I've been watching you for all these years. Right. And, um, and so I, you just got the audiobooks out with like a year ago, maybe. And my right. year has I, been I crazy. They came out like a year ago. Um, you know, when they picked them up, they kind of just picked them all up and I'm like, yeah, do it <laughs> all at once. Go yes. for it. So I'm definitely going to be um, listening to those too. And because I have, I think whatever the last promo we did, I think it was um, Visions of Red. Mm-hmm. It was, um, yeah. You did a promo with me over Christmas or something, or I mm-hmm. don't remember what month it was. But yeah, I picked it up. And and I'll just say nobody who was in that promo, except for you, did I read their book. You were the only one. Really? Oh, my God. <laughs> You're giving me vapors over here. I'm having to say myself. <laughs> Like you can't even, you, you, Trish, you can't even begin to, Julie hasn't read the shit that we've written. Like, you know, she doesn't know what's in our books. So that's fucking incredible. Um, I, you know, I know you sort of touched on it earlier, but we, we, Julie likes to, we do like to end all of these conversations, uh, with a question and it doesn't have to be uh, specific to writing. It can be sort of broader. Julie, do you want to ask? Okay. So it, if you knew then what you know now, what would you do differently? I would do Julie. I would be Julie. <laughs> I would I would hit the ground <laughs> running and be fearless completely. Um, and, and you, you don't just, just mean in writing. You mean that. you mean in your whole life? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, is in my day job, I'm ruthless. People are scared of me. <laughs> I make grown men cry. I'm not even joking. <laughs> so it's just that, that's that's super hot. <laughs> and then like, you know, when, but when it comes to your art it, and then you have to put that in front of people, it's like, like I said before, I'm like a squeaky mouse, like, oh, please read my book or something, you know? Like, sure. I, okay. I so, <laughs> so spinoff question then, um, when you released your first book, how did that feel? Um, I, when my, my, the first book that I released was, um, it was a YA steampunk and uh, that came out with a small publisher and, um, it was, I don't know. I think in my mind, it was so much bigger. Like there should have been so much noise because it's like finally a lifetime of writing and working and here's that moment. And then it was right. like release day crickets. And that's right. when I realized nobody's going to do this for you. You know, nobody yeah. knows you exist. You can't, you know, if you want this done, you have to do it. And it was a battle for me um, just to find that balance of trying to do it myself and pushing myself out of my comfort zone to do it. So, and I still have to do that every day. Okay. Spinoff question for Jonathan. When you released your first book, how did you feel? Um, super anxiety ridden. And I couldn't understand why you didn't feel that way. <laughs> right. Because I think it, we were releasing what was a, a book with your name on it. Uh, for, you were doing that for like the 50th or 60th, I mean, whatever, like some preposterously high numbered time. And for me, it was, you know, um, I've said this a lot, but I mean, it was what Trish just said. I had always wanted to write a book, 
always wanted to write a novel. I've written my whole career, even while I was, you know, while I was doing other things, while I was acting, I was also simultaneously writing. And so I'd wanted to do it forever. And uh, I never thought it would be, you know, a romance. I never thought I would write it with somebody. So I was super anxiety written about it. But the thing is, I don't know that that will ever stop for me. Uh, it's just who I am. Uh, I no longer, put it this way, I still take into account every bit of criticism that ever comes my way. And I want to make the distinction between criticism and opinion. Like if there's a critique of something, I'll take that under advisement. But if you, if you like, just don't like something cause it's not for you or, you know, if you are just telling me about your feelings about what I've written, I honestly like good for you. I don't care. Uh, cause your feelings are not my responsibility, but your opinions are something that I will always take into account. And so I still take that all under advisement. That said, uh, the difference between just a year ago and now is that a year ago, I might have allowed those opinions to dramatically inform the way that I create. Now, I will take them into consideration, but I'm still going to write the way I write and be me. And I think that that is a byproduct of writing with you, Julie, because you could give a fuck what you think. <laughs> And by they, I mean the haters, like people who don't like, you're just like, you actually, you kind of thrive on it a little bit. And I, and I don't know I'll ever become you, but I've really, I've really taken that in and it's become helpful oh, in I terms of surviving. I remember yeah, something like that too. Cause I remember, uh, there was a blogger who came out with something talking about new adult. And I remember Julie did that. She's like, yeah, no, I'm going to write this shit. Watch this. And she didn't, she wrote 18 and she came out with it like two weeks right. later. And I right. remember, and I read it and it was amazing. It was an amazing new adult book. And, um, you know what happened? Really <laughs> it was a blogger. It, and it, it was a blogger who dissed on a book of somebody very big and important I'm not going to name who I respect a lot. And they, and they were bagging on the new adult genre and they're saying, this is a stupid genre. And I thought to myself, fuck you. When I was 18, life was fucking hard. Okay. If you were 18 and your life wasn't fucking hard, good for you. But listen, there's more people in this world who have a life like mine than have a life like yours. Because that's just the reality. And so that's really what 18 was about. Was I remember on my eight, my 18th birthday, I was so depressed because I didn't know what to fucking do. Like, I was so lost. And so everything that I felt on that day went into that book. And, and so I was like, in the end of book shit of 18, you know what? This stuff does matter because I got emails from girls all over the fucking world saying that's how I feel right now too. And so it does matter, you know? Um, so I there. think, I think, <laughs> fuck yeah. I think it, I, I think, just over here, like I got my fist going in the air. Preach, yeah. preach, preach. Um, Trisha Wolf, where can people find you uh, on the internet if they want to connect with you? Um, I am on Facebook underneath my real name, Trisha Wolf. Um, you can just Google me. My website will pop up. Um, I try to be on Instagram sometimes. Sometimes there's a few months between there. So usually or Facebook. That's where I am. Awesome. Awesome. Um, awesome. Trish, Trish, this was, uh, this was incredible. I wish we were, we were all, we're all remote from each other. I wish that we could give each other a group hug, but, uh, I will do it virtually. So I hope you can feel it. Um, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us. This was spectacular. <laughs>
Oh, Jonathan, one thing I did want to say that I thought was um, really funny after Emily um, sent the email saying that, uh, you know, we want to come on the show. And I was like, oh, my God. And I did a freak out. I've been marathoning uh, Grey's Anatomy because I do that in the evenings and I'm on a deadline just kind of disconnect from the book. I'll binge watch mm -hmm. a show. Right. And um, I was finally on to season 14. And I swear. I swear, I look over, I was prepping for this, I was some questions, sure. and I look over and I had it on pause and your face was staring at yep. me and I was like, yeah. no, there's the dude. Yeah, and like I punched my husband <laughs> and I was like, damn, dude, there's the guy. It's funny. <laughs> it's uh, Natasha Boyd, who is a, an author that Julie and I are friends with and who we love. Uh, I'm on a new Netflix series right now that happens to be a kid's series. And so it's interesting- oh, okay because uh or it's a, kids and family is the is the actual moniker right like it's like a it's like a throwback to tgif like family matters right. type shows and so forth and wait so, it's called it's called the, the prince, prince of peoria Pe prince of peoria and it just on dropped netflix. on netflix so that's a series that i'm on right now but the the reason i bring it up is until i got onto a uh, a show that is targeted to some degree to kids. I didn't realize how much crossover that I would find between this job and that job because, you know, right. women have kids and sometimes they'll be in the room while their kids are watching TV. And Natasha was like, I swear to God, I'm writing on my couch. I'm writing my new book. And all of a sudden I hear Jonathan's fucking voice coming out of my television set. And I look over <laughs> and it's my kid watching the dude who writes the dirty books with J.A. Huss. And I was just like, yep, I'm like a drag queen. I'm like a drag queen during the day. I show up in my suit and at night I'm fabulous. And uh, don't tell anybody. I can't wait till Netflix fires me. Um, Trisha Wolf, thank you for being on the show with us. Thank you, right, Trisha. Thank you guys so much. I'm so honored. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation with Trisha Wolf. Uh, she was great. Uh, she was just so full of life and joy and excitement and sincerity and um we love talking with her so thanks to trisha and thank you for tuning in and listening um if this is your first time listening uh please subscribe uh you can visit our website at lovenotespodcast.com that's lovenotespodcast.com uh and subscribe on whatever platform you prefer uh if you're a returning listener Thank you so much for sticking around with us. We hope you uh, are continuing to enjoy uh, these. And uh, by all means, keep the questions coming. Keep uh, reaching out to us. We love hearing from you. Um, next episode uh, will be two weeks from today. Uh, oh, it will be two weeks from today. Uh, and actually, we'll be airing while Julie and I uh, will be dropping while Julie and I will be doing our first panel uh, at a Polycon in washington dc so yeah. by the time you listen to this we will have already uh talked to people about how the fuck we managed to pull this off um <laughs> and uh and, and we will uh, in our next uh, episode be talking with julia kent the That's lovely true. julia kent julia motherfucking kent um because we do love her god damn i love julia uh so by all means please make sure you check that out um Thank you for everything. We, we really appreciate it. We can't say it enough. And uh, we will talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. And make sure you buy Trisha Wolf's books. Subtle plug, Jules. I know. <laughs>
Editing is by Troy Odie. Our theme song and music is by Brandon Costello. Special thanks to uh, special thanks to Luke Perry, and rest in peace. My my childhood is uh, is is all wrapped up in the experience of Luke's passing. So goodbye to my childhood as well. Uh, and finally, the art on our website was made by J. A. Huss. Please check it out at lovenotespodcast.com. That is lovenotespodcast.com. Support for Love Notes comes from Oh My Audiobooks, where the pleasure is all yours. 